0: What's up, my miners of intelligence and consciousness? I'm Rick Brooks, and this is Rick's Mind. Today with me, I have one of my favorite historians, Daniele Benelli, the host of the History on Fire podcast. I'm so glad to have you. Thank you, and
1: welcome to the show, my brother. Thanks, man. Much appreciated.
0: I so I just want to start out, and I'm trying I'm gonna try not to fanboy out too much, but I, I owe you a debt. I, you and Dan Carlin, um, I have listened to countless hours of your podcast, and this is a real treat for me. Um, and it, it started out with the crazy horse podcast Mm -hmm. that you did, which I just thought was a masterpiece. And I'm, I'm kind of curious, um, To get a little bit of your story, I I understand you grew up in Italy. And how did you get into studying history? That's what I've always wondered this.
1: Um, When I was a kid, I remember there were these books. um, They were illustrated, but they were pretty accurate, actually, historical books. They were designed for kids, right? And, you know, Mm -hmm. this was pre-internet, when TV, you had three channels on, and most of the time programs that a kid would never want to check out. So half of the time you're bored, you have to make do with whatever you got in front of you, which is usually not much. So I would spend hours and hours on this book, just looking at an image. And there may be like this one image of, I don't know, ancient Egypt. And there's this old complex scene of like scene from above where there are like 50 characters, almost like where's Waldo kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you, and then you get lost in it. You just essentially start playing movies in your head. When you think about, Oh, this person, uh, was harvesting the crops uh, but he's about to get beat by crocodiles or this guy who was uh, working on the pyramids or you know it became a fun image like imagination exercise so to me history was like watching a movie it was like i would picture it in those terms i would try to get into character i would try to see through the eyes of the people who may have been there and um and so it, it wasn't like oh you're studying history it was like a fun game it was something that you do for fun. So when I eventually at some point when I went to college originally started out with anthropology, but I ended up not liking it that much. And then I mm-hmm. went back to, but hey, I always enjoyed history a whole lot. So I ended up then pushing more heavily in that direction.
0: Okay. And were you studying this in Italy? And then like, I'm, I'm kind of curious, how did you end up getting to the States?
1: So I moved uh, after high school to us i i did high school in italy and then right after high school my mom was planning on moving to us as a journalist she could uh, kind of work for italy from us uh, writing about american cultures and things like that and so i had the opportunity to, to kind of come check it out for myself to see if it worked for me Even because, to be perfectly honest, Italian like whereas Italian educational system is great until high school, after that not so much. So I was like, you know what? Let's go check out what the center of the empire looks like. Let's look (laughs) at what. uh, (laughs) Let's (laughs) take a look at what's happening, and you know, a place like Los Angeles is. To me, it's really the center because it's like what's produced within a few miles in LA is consumed all over the world in terms of movies, music, and all sorts of stuff. So I was, um, I was intrigued and you know, it was interesting because he wasn't all, uh, great. He wasn't all puppies and flowers. There were a lot of things that I took for granted about Italy. That when I moved to US, I was like, "Oh, that was not for granted." They don't have some of that stuff here. That's actually good, but at the same time, there was also some stuff they didn't have in Italy that I really liked here. So it was like, "Okay, lose some, win some."
0: Yeah. What What do you think some of the things were that you took for granted?
1: Um, for one, I think in terms of social life, US is uh, like I found that Italy wasn't sociable enough. And by comparison to US, it's like a paradise of sociability, you know, and US is a really lonely place. There are, of course, exceptions, you know, if you live in a small tight knit community it's not as lonely if you so I'm generalizing, of course, I'm not saying all of US is like this, but as a rule, a lot of American culture and definitely the big cities They are places where there are lots of opportunities and a mountain of loneliness where everybody lives in their little box. Uh, They don't get to hang out with their friends all that much. There's like, it's great to get stuff done, not that great in terms of having friends, family, social life, real face to face interaction on a regular basis.
0: I I would actually, I definitely agree with you on that. I think that like a lot of, some of the social issues and craziness that goes on online really stems from like a lack of community and a lack of love. And, and like, just basically, like, I feel like people just, and this is just my opinion, I feel like people have kind of forgotten how to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. I think that we're on our screens too much. We're not going outside getting sun. We're not eating correctly. We're not doing the things that are necessary to, you know, to, to fill up our empty cups. And yeah. I think part part of a, a, a big problem with our culture, right, is we're so individualistic, right? If you look at places like China or, I mean, Italy, it's more of a collectivistic culture. Like we are on the extreme end of uh, having an individualistic culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that um, why I like your program so much is you really – spin everything together and within a historical context of you know what was going on during the times and some of the philosophies as well mm-hmm. some of the predominant philosophies that has been i, I mean <clears throat> i'm going to go back to the the crazy horse mm-hmm. the mysticism that you brought in there was incredible it just i I'm and I might butcher this but that that moment we were talking about him getting him and his brother getting attacked by a grizzly bear and, you know, climbing a tree to escape or, or the moment where he would go on the vision quest and he realized he was not going to be killed by a bullet Mm -hmm. and uh, like just all of the, and I'm like, is this real? Like, I think that that's the best part about your programs. You bring out so many things that I'm like, did this act, is this a, like, is this a movie Mm-hmm. Or is this real life? Right. It's it is it is crazy. You're you're very similar to Dan Carlin. You're you're fascinated by the extremes of humanity, mm-hmm. and, but I would say definitely more on, along the lines of of, of also philosophy. And mm-hmm. and another debt that I owe you is inter, inter, introducing me to Jidu Christamarty off of your last podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Bruce Lee podcast, I did not know who that man was. But when you said he borrowed Bruce Lee borrowed a lot of his philosophies in terms of martial arts, from not martial arts, but like yeah. a philosophical thinking yeah. from Jiddu yeah. Christa Marty, in the sense that he was, he was not a fan of control. He's mm-hmm. not a fan of control. He's anti control. And I was like, I am too. Like I, I, um, you know, I would say myself, I, I'm I'm all about liberty and just leave me mm-hmm. alone, right? But um, one of the things that you—I I never thought about this and, and didn't know—was identifying as a black person or as uh, an American, uh, Jiddu, feels that that is an act of violence in itself. Mm-hmm. Because you're separating yourself from— humanity and you're putting yourself in a in a group and I'm like, holy shit, man. I have never thought about anything like that. And as soon as you said that, I was like, I need to read this, man. So I went out and bought his book and I read um, I read one of them. I got, I got a few, but I do you, you do like to study philosophy. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know, like, do you have any good philosophical thinkers that you would like to, to you know, to share with me? Because I'm very interested in this topic. Sure.
1: Um, it's interesting because with philosophy, for me, it's very hit or miss. I really yeah. get into somebody's thinking, or I really don't. There's not too many half measures. Like I find a lot of philosophy to be. Deadly boring because I don't find it applicable to real life. I'm interested in the things that can increase the quality of life, that can give me tools to help me make uh, my own life better. Krishnamurti definitely has some great ideas. Um, A ton of what I read, write, feel about the world is more or less derived from Taoism. Now, with Taoism, okay. it's tricky because. If you go, first, there are a ton of translations of the originals. You know, if you read the, the Dao Te Ching or you read the things like uh, the Chuan Tzu, uh, depending on which translation you get, you can get either a fantastic book or a not such a good one. But also, it's um, <clears throat> sometimes it's tricky because it's it's almost like I you need somebody to filter it initially. Like I like a lot uh, Alan Watts' writings trying to explain a little bit of Zen and uh, both Zen Buddhism and Taoism. I think he did a fantastic job to be able to translate some of those concepts in a way that make them more accessible. Um, But Mm -hmm. I definitely find Taoism at the roots of so much of what makes sense to me in the world. Um, So that's definitely a source. Um, There's some stuff, not everything, but there's a lot of Nietzsche that I find very interesting. You know, Friedrich Nietzsche. The problem is, I read most of Nietzsche in, uh, in Italian, in an Italian translation, and I found it phenomenal. When I try to read him in English, not so much. I think the mm-hmm. a lot of the translations tend to be very King James kind of language, so they take away a lot of the power of his language. It becomes less immediate. It's harder to, for it to stick so translations of Nietzsche are kind of hit and miss in English, but there's definitely there are some great concepts there. There's, I mean, Bruce Lee himself, even though he's highly derivative in his stuff, he had some brilliant ideas that he applied to life and to, uh, speaking of Zen Buddhism, I did a couple of episodes about this guy, EQ Sojun, who's one I of my get to idols, is this Zen monk from the 1400s and he's awesome i love his outlook on life i love his uh overall vibe he's just a fun great brilliant guy
0: yeah absolutely that and that's that's the japanese um the zen buddhist correct <laughs> that <laughs> He would he would uh he would have sex with beautiful women he was he blind or uh, no yes he was blind he would just no, travel around was, and he
1: was yeah the relationship at one point with a lady who was blind that's, that's it okay, <laughs> thank you and
0: he was just about living life like mm-hmm. to its fullest he's like you guys are in your monasteries like you need to get out and experience yep. this and uh, yeah, I remember that podcast very very well and I was like, holy smokes like this is this is what it's about, you know, just the present moment and mm-hmm. being present. And, and I, I'm, I'm a sucker myself. Um, um, I'm, I'm da- dabbling, I've dabbled in philosophy for years, but I am a self-help junkie. I love mm-hmm. it. I, I, I find um, when I get away from it because um, self-help is in itself pretty derivative. It, 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 it just, it's the same ideas presented sure. in different okay. ways, but sometimes if you keep listening to it over and over, it really justifies how I live my life Mm -hmm. and how I, and why I'm doing the things I'm doing in it. And it keeps me fired up and it keeps me driven and it keeps me moving forward. Whereas if I'm not, you know, I'm a heavy audible guy, so I'm generally listening to books. Sometimes I'll read, but, um, It just keeps me focused on the task at hand, the, you know, the trying to fall in love with these mundane tasks to achieve success over a long period of time. Like that really is the goal. And right now I'm listening to the compound effect and it's just these simple steps that I need to take every single day in order to achieve long term success. And then I think I use philosophy as a means of like, you know, connecting with that higher mind, like, what am I? What am I doing? Like, what, what, what about myself is affecting other people in a negative way? And how can I be my best self? And, and I don't know, just toy with really complex questions that and that's another thing that I think is wrong with society is I don't think that there are enough people really self analyzing, you know, yourself and honestly thinking kind of higher thoughts besides, I think a lot of us are just obsessed with consumerism and what's going Mm -hmm. on. Um, we're, we're being told, I guess we're being told what to think or led in a way of thinking instead of really thinking independently. And that's what I love. Uh, why I love Chris Marty so much, uh, is that he was a, the, a cult leader, or not, was not a cult leader. He was predestined to be a cult leader, right? Like the, this cult selected him and he dissolved it and said, I am only interested in freeing minds. That's it. And yep. I don't think that you can free minds in any sort of organized religion or any type of religion. I think we have to think, and I'm butchering that, but like, <laughs> I'm like, holy smokes, like that—that that is a unique human being that I can learn something from. So thank you for that. There's another day. De- I don't know how I'm going to pay you back though. I don't have a lot of money. So
1: <laughs> there's uh, there's one guy that based on everything you're saying, I think uh, you may dig. Um, do you ever read uh, Christopher Ryan? Uh, he no, wrote no, a couple of books that were big. I think the one that would be to your liking is called Civilized to Death. Civilized mm-hmm. to Death is a brilliant analysis of some of the ways in which uh, <clears throat> civilization itself has pushed us in directions that we're really not very well designed for that are leading to the hyper-consumerism, the loneliness, the you know 10,000 other factors. And he really breaks it down in a way in... Uh, Like he looks at our like hunting and gathering life, which is essentially what we've been dying for 99% of the time we've been around as human beings, how that shaped us and how and why it worked for us and why the departure from it, why it has certainly given us a lot of things has also taken a lot of stuff away in terms of just our mental health because we don't have the things that are at the root of our DNA of what we need to have a healthy life. So I really, even though it can be kind of heavy sometimes because, you know, you do see a scenario where you're like, damn, how do we get out of here? It's a really interesting read in terms of figuring out what are some of the, because sometimes we blame some of these things purely on individual failures. And while, of course, the individual role plays, you know, individuals obviously play a role in it. There's more to that. There's something deeper at the root of so much of the stuff that we see that's wrong around us. That's not purely due to somebody being a jackass or something. It's due to some systemic issues that we are facing. And uh, so I really strongly recommend uh, uh, Civilized Death. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant book.
0: And I just thought, Christopher Ryan, isn't that the guy that co-wrote Sex at Dawn?
1: That's him. That's his... Okay, uh, okay. I have wrote, read that book. He wrote two books. <laughs> one was Sex at Dawn, and one is Civilized Death. Um, okay, sex at dawn was great, but I find yes. civilized to that spot on in terms of, uh, painting a picture of what's going on around us today.
0: Yeah, i I'm definitely going to check that out and, and report back to you for sure. That's, um, I'm very interested in that. I mean, the thing that, uh, has helped me and especially during, um, 2020, right? Like right as COVID hit. Because um, the coronavirus, that was 2020 was a great year for me. It was a terrible year for most people. But w- right when George Floyd went down, I I just finished a book uh, on, I think it was Nicholas Nassim Talim, uh the black swan. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's he in in that book, he said, When I get confused, I do not go to the internet, I go to books. And I was like, shit, man, that's a really good idea. Yeah. And so I was confused about the the George Floyd thing. And so I read um Nelson Mandela's A Long Walk to Freedom. And that kind of like calmed me down. And it it, it just was this message of a man that was willing to die and sacrifice 25 years f- to end apartheid, right? And also gave me a, a lot of history that he was, he was a terrorist at one point too. Um, sure. but I was like, I don't know that everyone that is involved in this movement is willing to do that. And I was very suspect. And so I was able to take a step back and really kind of form my own ideas and opinions on what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then from there, um, you know, that kind, of, that kind of set the tone. And, and I realized, like, the only thing that I can control, and I've said this a billion times on this podcast, and I'll say it again, is your effort, your attitude, right, and your diet, what you put in your body. Yep. And outside of that, I mean, you control more things, but those are just a just quick snapshot, right? Outside of that, you got to just work on yourself. If I worry about me and get myself right, then I can, once I'm fixed— then I can go about trying to maybe help someone else. But i got to help mm-hmm. myself first. And I feel like right. there's a, in our society today, there's a lot of virtue signaling or yelling when really you need to kind of concentrate on your own house and what's going on. Get yourself well and happy.
1: Definitely. And I think one of the problems with... Um political arguments is that often they don't get to the root of like it's a lot of it is scapegoating a lot of it is this wishful thinking that everything that's wrong is because of those guys over there and if it just wasn't for them everything would be fantastic but then you realize that that's just a symptom of the problem like the real solutions are really hard to come by So it's no surprise that people are yelling at somebody else saying they are the cause of the problem, because that's an easy way to look at the world. It's like having this James Bond villain who's the one who's causing all the problems, and if he wasn't there, everything would be great. Then you realize that when the guy is not there, you could remove every last bad, bad person, quote unquote, that you think is causing all the problems, and you'd still be dealing with humongous problems you'd still be finding out that finding actual solution is insanely hard. So I think a lot of what we see online is the result of frustrated, powerless people who deep down know they are powerless to actually affect positive change. And so the next best thing is to yell at somebody, blaming them for all the problems out there, where the reality is a bit more complicated than that.
0: I 100% agree with you in that synopsis. Um, I, I also feel, and I'm trying to figure out the words. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's easier to yell than really to focus on really what's going on inside, you know, here, Mm -hmm. inside your heart or inside your head. Like, um, I think it's, that's, that's a bit of a, and, 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 a much easier solution to, to point the finger at, at, someone else. But if you, when you start taking responsibility for, you know, your own happiness, I think that that's, that's, that's the best way to go. But in, in terms of like, and I don't want to get too doom and gloom here, but, um, one of the, the craziest thing, I, I believe I read, um, Genghis Khan and the making of the modern world mm-hmm. and, and. There is a lot of explaining away all the bad deeds that that Genghis Khan did, but the author did make a very interesting point about like, I believe it was a war between a German prince or king and a a city in in Italy and how um, at first they ended up. The Germans ended up hanging a bunch of people and to, to like sack the city, and then the Italians answered, and then they hung people from the watchtower, and then the Germans flew heads over, and they just kept escalating. Yep. And this is yep. in the 1400s. And so, when I look at a, a big reason why I'm so passionate about history and history podcasts is it it really gives you. A snapshot of how terrible, how terrible we are and yeah. how, and why things are the way they are now, why the world looks, it, it uh, looks the way it does. And we do, don't do have a lot of time and mm-hmm. I'm definitely, we're definitely going to have to get you back on, but I do want to ask you one question. Sure. Um, when it comes to like, the, what's going on with Ukraine and Russia? And I, I was following it pretty religiously. I wanted to get your thoughts as a historian. Like, what do you think is, if you had a, let's pretend you have a crystal ball, what do you think is going to happen there in the, the conflict between Russia and, and Ukraine?
1: Um, honestly, I don't know. I, I, I know I put I you on the spot at the situation, but not enough to really fully understand it deep down i've looked at it like everybody else kind of skimming the news type of thing i don't feel that that gives me enough of an insight not only to be able to predict it but even to have a strong opinion in terms of really saying that i understand it and can tell you oh clearly it's like i'm barely touching the edge of the water there so i don't really understand its depth or what lurks beneath
0: I I, and I that's a, that's a smart answer because I don't either and I don't really and to be if I'm being honest, I don't really want to get into that because it'll mm-hmm. probably end up getting pretty sad. Right. But um, it's something I'm it's something I'm interesting because like we all we all tend to think that society is a lot more stable than it is, but it's really uh-huh. just held together. Yep. by it's a it's a it's it's a house of cards man yeah. it's a it's a house of cards and we still as humans and countries and nations and whatnot still want to dominate and control and to you know have take resources from other places and and when you see stuff like that you realize like i don't know how much we've changed since the the since the 40s you know mm-hmm. they colonial like i don't think we've really changed that much in my opinion right
1: yeah, human um, which nature, is... unfortunately has some serious blind spots and the number of people who can see those blind spots and work on them and improve them is small enough that the patterns tend to repeat the same in not particularly pleasant ways. And I think it's, I mean, it's funny because when you think about, I guess there are two points there that I would like to make. One is the fact that I find it funny how we, especially in internet culture, where there are 10,000 topics thrown at you all day, everybody feel the need to have a strong opinion on everything. And it's like, look, if you know your shit, by all means have a strong opinion. But if you don't, it's okay to shut up. It's okay to just listen to what's out there. And And I think way too often we tend to forget that. And somehow it's like, I know this much, but I'll just go out there and throw my opinion because that's what we do on the internet. And it's like, it's okay to sometimes keep one, you know. And the other thing in that regard about, um, in terms of human nature, I find it interesting that we are there squabbling on uh, this little piece or that little piece where the reality is that some of the challenges we're facing are so global so incredible in their importance that there are no winners or losers in the game you know if you pollute water if you make air uh, like the air we breathe poisonous if you make there are no winners and losers at that point you know So to me, there are certain levels of question that are so much bigger than the stuff that people normally argue about that I'm like, I think maybe first we would like to take care of those things. Once we can deal with the fact that, you know, nobody's drinking poison water or the air we breathe is giving us cancer or stuff like that, then I think we would be. Then we can start arguing about some of the other stuff, but there are some things that are so existential, so just key, like serious existential threats to humanity as a whole, that I feel that a lot of the time, because those ones are hard to solve, we distract ourselves with uh, let's fight on who gets to chop down the last tree and have the last chair, rather than dealing with the fact that maybe we shouldn't do that and we could try to have a different approach. However, that solution is so hard to come by that, oh, screw it, I'll just fight over who gets to chop down the last three. And he's like, yeah, that's not really solving the problem, you know, which I think is also no. part of why the political landscape looks so awful, is because nobody really has a good solution to so many of the problems we face. There are people who are driving the train toward destruction at 300 miles an hour, and there are people who drive the train toward destruction at 100 miles an hour. Now, of course, i rather have the guy who drive at 100 miles an hour in charge because it gives us a little more time. But it's not that it's leading to a good place either. You're just arguing no. on uh, which one is more catastrophic rather than uh, one is good and one is bad.
0: Yes. Yeah, I, and I agree. And. Uh... It when, you, when we're talking about things in, in those terms, right, I, I always like to think back towards, like, the Romans. And I got mm-hmm. so frustrated studying Roman history um, with the fact—and and one think the, the, the thing that blew my mind the most, right, the, 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 the main issue that always pissed me off was the issue of Italian citizenship. Mm-hmm. I never understood, like, when an- <clears throat> I didn't live in those times, but the answer was so clear— give all yeah. the Italians Roman citizenship and yeah. all these problems will go away. Mm-hmm. And they never did until yeah. there was a war until there yeah. was another war. And I, and I I look at kind of maybe with the environment and global, it's like, I don't think we're really going to just, just from historical context, or right, I feel like this lesson's being repeated. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to really do anything until it's like, Oh fuck, we have to, we have, yeah legitimately have to or we're all going to die or you know or this yeah. country's going underwater I, I think it i think we'll probably it'll probably end up like waiting to get to that point just because if, if i mean we have we have case studies on this f- for the entire human civilization right so that's kind of where i'm at in this train i don't know yeah, what, do you think kind of the I'm same? Afraid, thing?
1: Uh, i'm afraid you're right because it's uh the Roman example is a perfect one. You know, Dan Carlin has this great series of episodes about the fall of the Roman Republic. And you can see the problems like the Italian citizenship one. There are some about distribution of wealth and stuff. Yeah. You can see them coming from like centuries away and yeah. each time they just squash it and make it go away. And it keeps popping up until eventually it destroys the Republic. And it was perfectly clear that that's where he was heading. Yeah. And Everybody the- knew. Exactly. And and oddly enough, the very people who are playing opposition and squash the change that would keep the Republic alive are also going to go under because it's not like they are going to come out on top, but they are just thinking, hey, I want to get my own for a little bit longer. And then screw everybody else and what happens in 30 years, we don't worry about it. There's a brilliant quote from a congressman at one point who was fighting against Theodore Roosevelt regarding environmental preservation. And when Roosevelt was making the argument about, hey, we need to keep some of this stuff for posterity, the congressman replied, posterity? What has posterity ever done for me? (laughs) I think that's... uh, that captures it right there.
0: <clears throat> yes, yes, absolutely. Well, I want to be. We'll have to get you on the show again. We're, we're short on time, but I'll take any. I'll take a shorter podcast with Daniel Benelli any day. So, um, please tell people where they can find you. Tell them about the books. Tell them everything
1: so i have um yeah I have a few books out uh, i wrote four books overall so um, you can some are about philosophy and martial arts some are about more little more personal some are kind of have a bruce lee approach to religions and philosophy um i have a couple of podcasts the drunken taoist podcast and history on fire um i'm sure there are other projects that come up here and there but th- those are some of the big ones
0: absolutely hey i really appreciate you taking the time to uh sit down and chat with me it's been a pleasure uh definitely uh work on uh we'll get together again in the near future and uh we'll have a more in-depth conversation but again thank you so much for listening folks if you think we're worthy please subscribe to the to the feed um give us a leave us five stars on itunes that helps the uh, show grow and uh love you guys and we'll we'll chat next week